Hello, welcome to the Azarian Podcast. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. It's been two weeks. Yes. We're getting better at this. Yeah. We're on location. We are in uh, my flat. Sunny Musselborough. Musselborough. That's not where I live. Watch Liam fix a Mega Drive pad for half an hour and then play Jimmy White's World in Snooker. And be really bad at it. No. (laughs) Get really angry at it. No. (laughs) (laughs) This is... um, this is a smear job. I, I did, I fixed the pad. The A button wasn't working. I took it apart and it works now. Um, I never said you did the no, pad. No, no, but you said I was really bad at Jimmy White snooker, which I played for all of two shots. The first I, shot, I queued up the ball and broke, right? And then you were like, put the ball off the table. No, that was Brian that said that. Right, so I tried and put the ball off the table and the ball didn't go off the table, which you're not supposed to do in snooker. <laughs> So I'm so good at snooker, I couldn't even fire the ball off the table. I'm disappointed though. You said it was a realistic simulation. That's what they said in 1994. I think we well, should we should remember it's only a game, so big break. Let's move on. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, we asked you to tell us what the poorly remembered game quote was, which was, "My career is over, and it's all that blue bastard's fault." Did anyone get it? Did Did you know it, Liam? Um. No, I, I I know the game. I did not get it at the time. Neither did I. Um, thankfully, Sean Clements did. He wrote in with the right answer, which is Flag the Glucken from Abe's Exodus. Director Flag, but we'll go Flag it. Um, and he also said that he loves the podcast and we have to keep up the good work. All right. Here's that quote in context. I am totally screwed! My career is over! <laughs> and it's all that blue bastard's fault! And we'll have another quote for you at the end of this podcast. Sure. Do you not think the microphone looks like a slig? A little bit, with, yeah. with that weird gorilla pod attachment. And this is for you guys at home. If you've seen a gorilla pod, you'll, you'll know what we're talking it, about. They've got to be bald at the end of them. Abe's Exodus uh, a good game. Did you know they made it in nine months? Really? Yeah, they made it in... Um, Abe's Odyssey did so well, like it was a, a, a kind of a sleeper hit, yeah. um, that GT Interactive demanded Oddworld Inhabitants make it by the next Christmas season, so they made it in six, nine months. Wow. Um, that must have been some serious crunch. Who's the guy that runs Oddworld Inhabitants again? I can't remember their name. Lorne Lanning. Lorne Lanning said that the they almost legitimately killed themselves making Exodus. I can imagine. Because yeah. like obviously it was it was all new renders. Like they had they could re- they could reuse like all the um, enemy renders uh-huh. and all the um Midoka and slides, blah 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 um, and all the sound effects and stuff. But like all the um background renders, like foreground renders, all that was new, yeah. all the CG was new. But it's a completely new location. Yeah, to- it's everything's new and the game is twice the size of it, it's Odyssey. That's and they made all that in nine months. It's crazy. That is insane. You couldn't do that now. Oh absolutely not. Yeah, I think it just sounds like the nine months were like one long crunch thing, yeah. which sounds fucking horrible. It's not actually a game I've played uh, beyond the demo. It but is, I, I was a massive fan of the original. It is a very very good sequel. Like, um, it's basically the same, but there's more of it, and it's better. Um, it's very very difficult. Like, um, I mean, like obviously, the, to give you an idea of the scale of the game, um. The original was Rupture Farms, the uh, Free Fire Zone, then you went to the... Um, Paramanian and Scrobanian Temples. Paramanian and Scrobania, and then you went back to Rupture Farms. Mm. This one has Necromines, the Redanchi and the Madoma Vaults, then you've got Fico Depot, the Slug Barracks, Boneworks, uh, another one I don't remember the name of, and then you go to Soulstorm Brewery. 
and all those are a good probably like an hour and a half to two hours long so and you get it, a lot of play is it very much the same story structure uh, yeah so there's bad thing and A plus to stop it by getting a new power right it's the same kind of thing it's just big on it and there's more to do and I mean it was, it was a very entertaining series yeah it's it's they, they had a very sort of dark and horrible premise and like but they were never without a bit of humour yes. um, and it was quite sort of slapstick humour sometimes which fit really well it was a very sort of despite the the premise being really sort of downbeat and dark it always seemed quite light hearted which was nice um, largely anti-capitalism as well yeah it's quite a heavy political message undertones in there also a, a very sort of sustainable like environment Greenpeace type. Yeah, I guess it's like don't farm things to extinction is the main <laughs> message. Pretty I'm, much. I'm pretty sure like official literature does fit in the Dawkins as like effectively hippies. Yeah. So <laughs> they're working on Soulstorm now as well, which is a spiritual successor. Um, it is a reimagining of mm. Abe's Exodus. The same general plot, but it's obviously they've expanded upon it. It's more about like the plight of. Well, I mean, obviously the plight of the Dawkins is explored in. Abe's Exodus because they're exploiting them by effectively like brainwashing them yeah. using Soulstorm Brew and then they use every single aspect of a Modokan to make more brew to enslave more Modokans because like the two main ingredients of Soulstorm Brew are Modokan Bones and Modokan Tears which they farm for Modokans who have drunk Soulstorm Brew because they get addicted to it yeah. because it can paint this like it's Southern Green's people that's yeah, what it yeah, is yeah, yeah. Oh, and so, you get addicted so to it it's really really horrible so I can imagine that Soulstorm's ARG has had a lot of like quite dark and weird elements to it, so it looks like they're going down a more sort of serious route with this one, which I'm not sure how that'll turn out because one of the big like one of the big sort of core elements of Oddworld that has always appealed to me is like it's got that silly sense of humour along with all the really dark stuff. Yeah. So I hope they don't completely relinquish that. They kind of they need to go darker than new and tasty. Yeah, that was too but, light, honey. Yeah. And even just sort of the the aesthetic of it was too light as well. Like. Yeah. So the original renders are they're they're quite dark by their nature. Yeah. They're they're grimy and it creates this, this really interesting environment which there is there's no confusion about what it is. It's an abattoir. Yeah. Um it's a meat processing plant. And in, in new and tasty everything's really bright and colourful. Orange is a big colour and it, it feels more like a a furnace. Yeah. Which maybe it shouldn't. Like mm. the, the in the original game it's like quite dark and grimy and that like the main colours are green and black. Yeah. Um, so it, it feels like quite dark and dingy whereas in the new one it doesn't have that feeling it's more like it's too industrial It's that's the only way I can describe it like. so far everything that's come out for Soulstorm has been in black and white yeah. and, and grainy as well so I, I wonder if that's the aesthetic they're going for this time maybe trying to take it back a little we'll see. we yes. shall see we'll keep you updated on that mm. it's something that I'm looking forward to but yeah Abe's Exodus like, genuinely excellent game if you have not played either Od- like Odyssey or Exodus, play Odyssey first because it's not that long a game. It's hard, but it's not long. Um, um, uh, but yeah, Exodus is excellent. Really, really good. Both quite cheap on Steam as well. Unless yeah. you want to play New and Tasty. But I would say don't. Don't bother, yeah. Um, it's yeah. not that it's a bad game. It's just not a great remake. If you're going to play it for the first time, yeah, play the original. Play the original. Then play New and Tasty because it's... Still alright. Yeah, it's it's a fine game. It's just not it's not a patch from the original, effectively. Mm. Um, and you can get them for quite literally pennies at this point. Yeah. So definitely worth buying. I always found Munch's Odyssey was quite interesting as well. Never played Munch's Odyssey. I played a bit of it on the Xbox, and 
didn't get into it. Mm. Um, it felt too much like Abe was like a side character. Like I know the the game was originally developed as like a uh, an RTS type thing because of like um, when they were setting up the Orville series, like Munch's Odyssey was going to be the one that catapulted them into like AAA territory, and then they had like um, different games. Um, there was Squeak's Odyssey was one of them, and there was also Hand of Odd, which was going to be a proper RTS, mm-hmm. like top down all that kind of thing. And Munch's Odyssey was originally going to come out to PlayStation Two. And there are still tech demo videos out there, like um, we're playing as Abe, whereas like it's a like sort of pseudo RTS where like you've got like villages in the Dawkins that you can control to change the weather and like take over slug facilities and stuff like that, sure. and that's just not really in the final game as much. So. That's the thing that the kind of main impression was like I've played Strangers Wrath mm. and Strangers Wrath and Munch's Odyssey. They don't feel as though there's any interest in mechanics in either of them, mm. like. Munch's Odyssey is a platformer, right? That's what that is. 3D platformer. 3D platformer. Yeah. 3D platformer. And Stranger's Wrath is just uh, a first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, whereas Abe's Odyssey was obviously a puzzle puzzle game. Just feels more engaging. Yeah. Munch's Odyssey is still a puzzle platformer. Right. It's just that it's got that additional... Um... I always kind of think of it as uh, similar to Rayman. Um, not the first one, but... Rayman 2. Yeah, or... Or Rayman 3. Mm. Yeah. Hoodle and Havoc, you know, that kind of stuff. They were weird feeling games. Um, Rayman? Yeah. Like, the, the Rayman 2 and 3, like, they had this weird sort of dark feeling that the original games didn't really have. Yeah. Like, it had sometimes, but not all the time. And it was, like, quite a diff- I really enjoyed Rayman 2. Yeah. Rayman 2's... I remember playing a lot of that, because it came with... I had it on PC when I was a, a kid. Did you ever play Tonic Trouble? No. It was a it was a three D platform that came out around the same time and it felt a lot like Rayman too. Um, Tom had it on the PC. Um, it was a very strange game. The first Rayman was all about music. Yeah, that was like the theme it was, was music. Bandland, yeah. And then after that, for some reason, they went pirates. Yeah, the thing about yeah. was pirates. <laughs> then Legend rebooted it, so it was more like music. Look how nice this game looks. Oh yeah, it's like a cartoon. But Watch it, Edison. It's a very nice looking game. I've mm. still not played. Uh, no, no, Origins, Origins played, and then Legends. I've not played Legends. I've heard it's very good. Yeah, so it's good fun. In a word, it's very French. The animation feels really stereotypically French. Yeah, the, the new Rayman games are kind of return to form. They're good fun. So, what's been in the news in the last few weeks? Not a lot. Um, not a lot of like, per- like it's that kind of weird period between. Uh, the start of the year and E3 where not much happens because everybody's like oh wait till E3 um, I don't Sony are holding a conference on the 12th of June uh, here's a tidbit of news Steve Burton voice of oh, yeah, Choice, this is interesting. tweeted out that he was flying to LA to he was going to LA for some other stuff and while he was there he was going to record a bit of voice work for Cloud Strife huh. That's the wording is like a little bit, yeah. Which I think indicates that there might be a trailer at E three. I would certainly hope so, or maybe yeah. some cameo. Yeah, um, that's a very small amount of news. Yeah, but it's interesting to know that that's what he was doing, seeing that there's work being done. Still. I know that um, I said this to you the other night, but uh, Kitase, Yoshinori Kitase, the producer, the director of the original game, said that they have almost finished voice acting for um, the Japanese cast. Yeah. Um, now, he didn't specify whether that's for part one or the entire game. I would presume part one. Yeah. Like, to have them record all the dialogue for the entire remake already is ludicrous. Yeah, and, like, doing it ahead of time before you build the game 
seems like you're setting yourself up to do twice as much work because you'll want to go back and change it yeah it's like a lot of people have brought up like um, interesting places like how are they approaching how that game is being made considering like they, they've specifically said they want each part to be a full game on the scale of a Final Fantasy thirteen title yeah which yeah. Like, they're, they're not small games they're big games um, I mean you could make it work but it's going to take a, a lot of work like, yeah. a maybe, lot this of is, maybe this is just where they're planning on spending most of the resources over the next 10 years on the Final Fantasy 7 remake <laughs> make uh, maybe. a series in another like, it's already a, a franchise yeah. yeah that's true but like once you've done the 7 remake where'd you go from there so yeah. they're probably stretching it out do we know how yeah. many uh, episodes they're going to split it into well when they because there was a whole big thing when it came out and they said we're going to do episodic and people <laughs> there was a big sort of backlash against that where people were like we don't want it to be episodic because people assumed it would be like Telltale Games or Half-Life what they meant was Shudder um, it will be episodic in the in the way that maybe like Star Wars is episodic yeah. so you've got episode 1 2 and 3 I think it'll be 3 games probably yeah they mean episodes, they mean titles. There will be three titles, but in the same series. It'll be like a trilogy rather than one can, game or something. You can quite cleanly cut the original game into three parts as well. Like you, I mean, the first part will probably be... You've got two places you can end the, the first part of the game. You can either end the first part of the game outside of Midgar or when Aerith dies, right? Yeah. Spoilers. The second part, you could probably... Like, if you're assuming you're ending it in Midgar, you're then travelling around the world, you're going to Calm, Cosmo Canyon, blah, blah, blah. Then you end it, no when Aerith dies, but make that the climax of the, the second part, and yeah. then have it end when uh, Cloud gives the black material to Sephiroth and the crater. And then the third part starts with you playing as Tifa and Junin, and then ends with the Northern Crater fight at the end of the game. If we look at it in terms of story beats and sort of like an arc, mm. it makes sense. You don't want the first game to end on a low note. No. So you don't want the game to end. On Aerith dying. Yes, that's right. So I don't think I think it'll end before then. So you want I think that it's more likely that you'll leave Midgar yeah. having rescued Aerith from Shinra Tower, which mm. puts you at an optimistic high note to end the first one on. You've got yeah. the victory, the hero quest commences, you know, you're leaving and you don't know what's out there. The second one, if we look at Star Wars, for example, you've got the first one, that's where that ends. They have the victory, they've destroyed the Death Star. Yeah. They go off, they get their medals, it leaves it on it. And, um, and then the second one, The Empire Strikes Back, that's where the, they're at their lowest. Uh, and it ends on a pr- pretty shitty note, you know. Um, it's actually, you could you could say it's almost, like, it's very similar, actually, because, like, Han goes in Carbonite, yeah. Cloud becomes uh, a quadriplegic. Yeah, well, it's the hero's quest, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. So, um, yeah, I think that's where it was. And then in the second one, that's where Eris will die and, and bad things will happen and... Um, and then the third one that's where they rise up again and defeat several yeah. this is pure speculation it's total conjecture yes. but, but like, it's really interesting yeah. mean, like if, if they built it on some kind of subscription or season pass model they could potentially do something similar to what they do in Final Fantasy fourteen. now that's it episodic in the sense that they release patches periodically with new main story quest missions yeah. I believe they've have they not said though it's going to be it's going to be like individual discs, games like yeah, actual, actual, actual games. releases that's going to be weird yeah it's, it's just I think it works you can, I think you can break up the story but in de- that definitely, way definitely yeah and, and they're fleshing stuff out so it won't if you're looking at the original game and you think well that's pretty short you know you can do that in a couple of hours I think 
yeah. get out of Midgar. Yeah. Like, maybe. Um, I mean, if they end it there, though, that kind of suggests to me they could split it up into, like, you know, eight or more pieces. Yeah. Just going by the scale of the games that they want, I don't think they'll split it up that much. Yeah. No. I, I would, I would um, hope not. They'll take Midgar and they'll flash that out. So there'll be stuff like... We'll see more stuff to do with Avalanche fighting Sephiroth. Well, well not Sephiroth, Shinra. There's a, a good point if you'll allow me to interject. Now, I was going to bring this up later, but I might as well bring it up now while we're on the subject. I recently bought the Play Arch Kai Clouds figure from the remake. And um, great figure, by the way. Uh, looks fantastic. It's like the best Cloud figure I think we've ever made. Dare I ask uh, how much you paid for it? Uh, I paid £145 for it. Good shipping. Um, that stung. But it's a, it's a great figure. I've got Barrett coming in the post as well. I'm not going to mention because this is not a figure review podcast and I could go into all the technical details now, but I'm not going to. The main point is, on the inside of the box, they've got a several paragraph long biography of Cloud, which has interesting things in terms of what it brings up in regards to how Cloud's past is a bit different. Not okay. Well, not entirely different. Basically, in the original game, Avalanche were just doing sort of attacks to increase their stature. So like they're, they're, that was a first reactor attack in the game. But it was never anything like... They weren't doing it as like a desperate last grasp thing to save themselves. Whereas in Cloud's autobiography... In, biography, sorry. In the box, it says that Avalanche are on the verge of collapse. Like, they've been reduced to this tiny size. They're almost going to collapse. And at this critical point, they decide to attack the reactor. And they specifically go seeking the higher Cloud. Yeah. Which is not what they do in the original game. There, there are two points I would raise. Yes. You raised this up with me earlier. You just pointed this out. Yeah. And so I have two thoughts on it. Is one, we need to remember that the game that we played as kids has translation differences. Yes. Which do affect a lot of the meaning of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's whether or not the translation is different and certain things they said in Japanese translate to something that made them seem more desperate. That's true. Uh, and then the second part is that they do actually, when in the game, the, the money that they use to buy Cloud, or to pay Cloud, that they give him is not money that they have for Avalanche. Oh, yeah, it's from Marlene's... Yeah, he's like, he's like um, Tifa's like, we have the money, don't we? And Barrett's like, damn it, that money is for Marlene. Yeah. You know, they, they're hurting for money, and they are hurting for help, where they're so desperate that they're giving up these assets that they don't really have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the fact that they're hurting for help, that maybe does suggest that they don't have the members that they maybe once did. Yeah, I mean, like... um. But, they do say that, like, um, and before Crisis and stuff like that, um, I've read up a little bit on that previously, but I'm not 100% on it. Like, they did used to be a little bigger. Yeah. Um, but they are smaller. It's just, like, the, the wording seems interesting to me. Yeah. Um, of, like, on the verge of collapse, critical point, all that kind of things. The other interesting thing is there's a massive, massive focus on Cloud's past. And yeah. they, they immediately, in this, in this wee biography, they immediately go to the point that he cannot remember certain things. But that's bullshit because you're supposed to believe that he knows who he is at the I know. start of the game. That's that's what's interesting to me because they say like Cloud has gaps in his memory. Um, who are the soldiers? That's a, that's a question they ask. Who are the soldiers? But you're told who soldier is like pretty much from the get go. Yeah, soldier is an elite force. Yeah, you don't learn their true origin yeah. or anything until later in the game. Yeah. but you know who they are yeah. as an yeah. organization. It's like who are the soldiers, and then they specifically like say. The, the Buster Sword they say Buster Sword's a huge sword that was given to Cloud by Zack which you're not meant to find out you, you don't actually even and it wasn't even, it, he didn't even give Cloud the sword no Cloud took it yeah. spoilers Zack dies yeah, and yeah. He picks I, mean, it I think you only find out like little bits about 
Zach, if you go looking for them, you go to is it Gongaga or something? Like that? Um, yeah, it's it, that the, Gongaga's completely Gongaga. optional. Um, the actual cutscene where you see Zach um, die is one. It's not in the original Japanese game that was put in international, um, and the PAL and US releases. Um, and two, you have to specifically look for it. You have to go back to uh, is it Neverplain Mansion? Yeah, you see him. So you can, one of the pods. Yeah, scratches on it or something. You literally you can miss that entirely. Yeah, but they 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 telegraph it right away in this wee biography, which is odd. It sounds like they're making major changes. Yeah, it's it's, it's worrying though because those changes that are implied by the bio have wider implications than just you know this information. Yeah, yeah, it changes. Like the philosophical side of the story, like yeah. um, I mean, if it in terms off, of like identity and and knowing yourself. If if you the player know that he has gaps in his memory at the start, then you you can't trust who he is. Yeah, or you don't have the yeah. whole. Um, there's a whole. There's almost a sort of uh, uh, what's the the fuck the term for an untrustworthy narrator or something. Unreliable narrator. Un- unreliable narrator. So if you know that information. Yeah, you're not supposed to know that when it's an unreliable narrator, right? That's right. Yeah, no, you're not. I mean, the, the entire point of Cloud's arc in Final Fantasy VII is he's he's generic JRPG hero. Yeah, and as far as you're concerned, he's like he's got a big past. He's an ex-soldier. He knows what he's doing. And he's very constructed. They, they completely deconstruct that, and they make him completely worthless by the middle of this too. What about yeah. so you get to Calm yes. after Midgar, and Cloud relays his past Crowd. in a story. Curado. He relays his past in the story. If you already know that his memory isn't working, yeah. then what is the point? Like yeah. You're supposed to buy that story and go, this is what happened. Yep. And then later on, there's the reveal where you're like, oh shit, that's not how it happened. Yeah, There's absolutely no question at that point in the game that you know, that didn't happen. The, the payoff for that as well is like when Tifa reconstructs Cloud's memory in the live stream, you find that, that you obviously you don't trust him, but the entire point was like, Sephiroth is also not trustworthy either. Yeah. So he's telling you lies about Cloud's lies yeah. that he's unwillingly telling you. So the entire the and then, but he doesn't even know the truth. No, he he is delusional. Yeah, and stuff. The only one that knows the truth is Tifa, who who never says anything in the game because she doesn't want to like destroy Cloud's mind because yeah. she's been selfish about it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Way that and then she it. also maybe starts to question her own memories. Yes, because Cloud's saying things and she goes, she's thinking, well, I remember it differently, but. That's such a traumatic event. In Maybe Nibelheim. I don't remember properly. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible arc, and I don't want them to fucking ruin it. What I would as think long is as it still has the orthopedic underwear. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it <laughs> could be that in extending the story, yeah, they're wanting to explore things in Midgar that they explore later on to flesh it out, mm. but they can't because they're there like. Oh well, if we explore it here, then this doesn't make sense, and then this doesn't make sense. Maybe they started moving things around. And then at yeah. that point, when does it... You, you kind of have to trust them to maintain the message and the themes while making these changes. Yeah. And I would have said a year ago that Square, you can trust them to do that. And now but Final Fantasy XV is I think I would, I would now want Square to play it safe. Yeah. They took a gamble with fifteen, or or so I thought that they were going to you know, really trifling, and then they didn't. So it's weird. Although it is, yeah, I suppose it's it's all massive speculation based on a bio on the box, which could have been written by some copywriter. A copywriter, yeah, that doesn't who, actually know. We're assuming it was written by K 
Katase or Nomura or somebody working on the game. Yeah. It might just be somebody who's read a synopsis or knows. They're like, here's what Cloud is and here's what this is. Write us something. Yeah. And here's the box. But. I mean, would it have not had implications as well for a fan that bought that and said, this is Cloud, he is a Shinra soldier and turned, turned renegade or something? I mean, because they'd be like, well, he's, but he's not. And then he's actually this person in his past clouded yeah. and stuff or messed up. And um, It would not yes. be the first time that something has been spoiled by a toy um, or revealed by toys. Lego has spoiled things before. Um, Lego, Transformers, Star Wars figures, they all do it. The Lord of the Rings toys. Lord of the Rings toys, yeah. Or the Hobbit toys. The Hobbit toys, yeah. That they have, which actually spoils stuff that doesn't happen in the films. Yeah. <laughs> because they cut it. So. Um, but you would think because play arts are made by Square... Yeah, it's, it's all internal by Square, so you'd guess that, if, even if it is a copywriter, and it probably is, like, that they would have a basis of something. Like, yeah, something they were given something. Like... So, um, but I'm trying to think of anything else interesting they mentioned in it. Um, there's, well, there's um, name changes, or translation yeah. changes. So I think you said Meteor Drive is now Meteor Drive. Oh, that's... Um, um, is it? Meteor Rain. Is meteor now Rain. Meteor Rain. Sorry, not Meteor Drive. Um, <laughs> that's Tifa's. Uh, yeah. Meteor Rain. Is now Meteor Rain and Braver is now Brave Slash. Which I don't I don't mind Meteor Rain. Yeah. Although Meteor Rain has a very sort of like... Um, it's a portmanteau, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, it's like... A, it has like a sort of... It's, it's unique. It's not just two words. It's, it's a name of the thing. It's cool. Yeah. Meteor Rain is too descriptive for me. Yeah. But it's fine. Brave Slash, to me, sounds boring and a bit... Like, doesn't have the impact. Like, Braver, to me, uh, conjures up... Because he's got this massive sword. Braver sounds to me like Cleaver. You know, he's, yeah. like, cleaving you. You just imagine Braver. He jumps in the air. He brings down a sword. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whack. Yeah. Uh, but Brave Slash... Slash is too clean. It doesn't have that yeah. sort of blunt... Cleave. It sounds more like a normal attack. Yeah. Braver. I don't know if it's just obviously. I grew up with the game. The game. Yeah. The name in the original game, name, uh, game is the one I'm gonna like more because it's the one that's familiar and I grew up. With. But I think uh, I have a pretty good justification for liking Braver more. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a more impactful sound than what. Yeah. Um, I'm very worried about the changes they're going to make to this because um, this is just the tip of the iceberg right now. Yeah. My my core issue is like the whole thing with Cloud's memory. Like, oh, that's a great story arc, and it's it's if you if you think of it too much, it's going to cause problems in my opinion anyway. And I don't want them to consistently beat you over the head with oh, Cloud is he fucked up? What's his past I, I, like? I think here's the thing. So Final Fantasy VII is twenty years old this year. Yep. so now there are things about cloud where we for we take them for granted cloud is the archetype yeah well here's the thing so say like say we've had cloud as he is for 20 years yeah and you take yourself away from the first time you played it if you think back to there there are you don't know cloud you don't know what you're going to learn about him but now you would take things for granted because that is what cloud is so they're they're like what who is cloud and they're like well this is what he is yeah and then they'll forget that Things like back then, you're not supposed to know certain things about Cloud. Yeah. Um, so they'll be looking at it. it the, my point is just that for 20 years, things have become such a big part of Cloud that even the people who wrote the story or made the game then will forget the meaning of certain parts of Cloud's identity and just go, well, we need this in yeah. here because that is who Cloud is. And they'll put it in it from the beginning. Like like aspects of his personality from Advent Children, for yeah. example. I know exactly what you mean. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of 
criticism for new iterations called not just Advent Children Cloud but Crisis Core Clouds Kingdom Hearts Cloud all that kind of thing because he's, he's too mopey. melancholic yeah. yeah so he's mopey in Crisis Core yes back then he was a young sol- soldier not he's not in soldier he's a soldier yeah who is that's his dream was to go and be there he should be young and peppy and trying to become a soldier one of the best points I, I, I've heard before about it is like can you imagine Kingdom Hearts Cloud go responding to Did You Sleep Well with Next to You Who Would yeah <laughs> or like um, what is it uh, I hope Barrett's snoring didn't keep you up and stuff like yeah. that like the, the sort of like the or uh, Let's Mosey of course those are translation things yeah. I don't know how dorky original Cloud was even if, even if they don't have the documents like Confidence, like he's yeah. obviously a very confident character and forthgoing and all that kind of thing, and he's not that. There's a reason for him not being that in children. Yeah, they they justify that, but every other iteration since then, apart from Desiria Cloud, yeah, um, who's still quite confident, um, well, Desiria Arcade Cloud anyway, um, has been melancholic and withdrawn and mopey yeah. and all that kind of, thing. and that's not him. I mean, well, he, why are all the main characters in Final Fantasy games so like kind of down in the dumps anyway? Because. Final Fantasy VII sold 11 million copies. Um, before then, I don't know, um, when did Evangelion come out? 1995. 1995? Yeah. I think, I mean, this is out on a limb, I have nothing to back this up. Before Evangelion, the protagonists in anime and stuff were go-getting, yeah, like, peppy, I'm going to fight the bad guy and this is what I'm going to do. And then Evangelion came out, deconstructed that sort of genre, and were like, well, if he's a kid, he's going to be traumatized by this and Shinji is a little whiny piece of shit yes um, and I don't I don't know what the effect on anime and stuff with that was but after there you certainly see a lot more characters who are like that who don't want to step issues up issues and stuff like that yeah, yeah. I mean, it be that character archetypes are becoming more refined and kind of pigeonholed or yeah uh, I think it's just that at the time because before 7 protagonists in Final Fantasy weren't like that um, the, the, the only argument I can make, and it's not even an argument, it's like Terra and Six as a more fleshed out character, but yeah. she's not inconfident or she doesn't have problems, like she's just been yeah. depressed. But then after like things like Evangelion came out, I think it's just, that is just, that was the trend at the time in yeah. those kind of games and anime and stuff, mm-hmm. was that protagonists were whiny pieces of shit. Yeah. Like, um, Squall's a whiny piece of shit. It's not until you get to Zidane that he is... Um, he was a cool guy. Yeah, he, I think he's annoying, but he's not a whiny piece of shit. It was it was a nice like break, I suppose, at that point. Does Cipher uh, call him a bitch at some point in the game? That happens, doesn't it? Oh, in uh, eight. Oh yeah, Cipher. Yeah, I'm sure he calls. He him a calls bitch. no, he calls Zell uh, a chicken, and Zell calls Cipher a bastard. And I remember that because chicken wuss, chicken wuss. <laughs> and I remember that because uh, there was no swearing in seven. Yeah, that's was, right. And then. Um, that's fairly early on in eight, and me and my friends were like, "Oh, he swore!" Oh, oh it's a it's a real big boy's that game now. But yeah, um, long story short, I really I'm, I'm excited for the changes they have in Seven Remake, but I do not want them to be op- me over the head with no. anything. So. Uh, change things, don't dumb it down, and don't change the themes or meaning. I don't think. I like the, the point you brought up about um, the philosophical end of things, like um, identity and self, sense of self, and yeah. losing a part of yourself is like something that's really caught cool. it's But it's a sub, it's a subtextual thing. People don't yeah. pick up on it. Of the clouds, the thing that clouds lost is in memory. Tifa's is our past. Aerith is our heritage and lineage. Yeah. Um, but it all comes down to Hironobu Sakaguchi's personal experiences of the time and feelings yes. of loss, um, as he'd lost his mother. That 
um, yeah. jump before they started making yeah. the game. So, and then maybe I don't know. Don't want to read too much into that. Maybe he was struggling to find himself. Yeah. After that, and who he was now, going forward, I don't know. But it's there's that. so much in that game as well because there's themes of environmentalism. Yeah. There's themes of um, capitalism, industrialism, all yeah, that kind of things. So. Uh, poverty. It's. Uh, it's. It's. A, it's I think it's a deeper game than people give it credit for. Oh yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. convoluted, it's cheesy, it's dorky, but it is also and some of the the issues it tackles, sure, in other media, are well trod paths. But in terms of games, it's one of the first games to really go like think about these issues and. It was certainly the first things. Final Fantasy game that you could consider being in the modern world yeah. as well. Because before that, it was like still dealing with castles and stuff, not corporations. And yeah. Well, I mean, then the, the, there goes the, the old thing, uh, I think it was Ultimate Omega, or the Final Fantasy 10th or 15th anniversary book they released, which is that the game was originally meant to be set in New York, mm. and the main character was going to be called Detective Joe. <laughs> and that's what they based Parasite on. That just reminds me now of uh, a fantasy based on reality. Oh my god. And uh, <laughs> their interpretation of that now seems to be train stations and petrol stations. Or, oh, or gas game. Stations. Yeah. I, Fuck it. <laughs> Wait, what? Final Fantasy XV is oh. entirely set in petrol stations and, and, and train stations. And if you don't believe me, I don't know what game you've played. Like, <laughs> it, I think the, the, problem, the problem is, like, earlier, like, really early in development, when Nomura was still director, like, they were saying, like, oh, it is going to be properly based on that. Like, we're going to have lots of places based on the architectural structures of real places in real life. Insomnia is Shinjuku. Yeah. Where Twitter is his headquarters are. Altissia is obviously Venice. Yeah. And that's the only two ones in the final game. <laughs> yeah. You 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 go to Lestralum. Yeah. You, well you go outside of Lestralum. Oh no, that's um Lestralum oh, no, is the Lestralum. Lestralum. You're talking uh, what's it called? Oh Lestalum's the um Oh fuck. The the leafy floaty place. The one where, that they where Luna comes from. Yeah, yeah. um Tenebrae. Tenebrae. You go to Tenebrae, but you Tenebrae? don't. You go no. to twenty. <laughs> you go to the train station at Tenebrae. That's you right. don't leave the train station I'm in one of the biggest it. environments that they bigged up in the trailers in Kingsglaive with these sweeping CG vistas, and it looks amazing. Yeah. It's like I can't believe they're making these towns and we're able to yeah. explore them. You get there, and they're like. Oh yeah, guys! Uh, Tenebrae got attacked by the Empire. It's on fire. We can't go there. Uh, look, it's over there, <laughs> miles away in the distance. Go talk to the commander at the train station. You go talk to her, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you better get back on the train. Take Biggs and Wedge and get on the train." And then from that point on, you never leave the train. You are on the train, and you get off to fight things. There was one bit where the train stops, and Biggs and Wedge come over the t- the tannoy, and they're like. There's a monster outside, and then you go out, you fight the monster, you get back on the train, the train departs, you get off at another station, fight some guys, you get back on the train, and then you, you arrive at, like, the end, at the end boss. Train, train, take us away. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I suppose, uh, since we're talking about Final Fantasy fifteen, mm-hmm. have any of you guys considered the DLC, or no, are you totally... I'm not, I'm I'm not paying... I'm done with that game. For any more. Oh, like, of course, yeah. I finished it and lent it to Johnny and have no intention of asking him for it back. <laughs> if he gives it back, that's fine. Well, you, he's probably listening to this. He's going to play on that now. I think, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not... I will never play that game ever again. I Unless they come out and say... They won't now because it was a massive success. 
Um, which people, is again in itself was concerning if it was if it yeah, had so many yeah. problems yeah it so concerns me people loved it what should have happened was it came out people should have made like even if you thought it was all right you should have complained about the faults that were in it and forced their hand and we know that it went backed into a corner square will come out and fix it because they fixed 14 yep. that game was probably better than 15 is and more complete and even they just went and did it again I don't understand. Like I don't understand how people can't see that they've been ripped off. Even if you like well, what you've I, got given, I suppose though with fourteen, like you have the ability to stop paying for it. Yeah. Whereas with fifteen, once you bought it, they got your money already. Yeah. And then the DLC doesn't add anything to the story. Have you seen what um, what's his name? Gladiolus's DLC is. Is it something to do with cup noodles? It's no. You go into a cave, you clear the cave, you fight the boss, and you leave. It's, it's an extra dungeon. All the dungeons felt like kind of cookie cutter, they're, though. They're yeah, really they're all caves. Yeah, with the same assets, but you can just generate those caves. You could just you just go here's a hall, put some stalactites and stalagmites in it. Here's a bridge. Well, the, the, so the, much of that must have been procedurally generated. I the the first time I went in there, the first few times I went into the dungeons, I was like, oh man, this is really cool. The way they're doing it, it's like really interesting to do. Yeah. And there's it feels the mine. Different and I went into a mine. And this was so much fun. I will. I will when, I'll call it when it's good. I'm not going to sit yeah. and yeah, shred yeah. the game. There's a mine in uh, not the sky. I think I think it's before the sky. Uh, and I was exploring it. And then there's like you open up into this underground um, quarry. And yeah. At the bottom of the quarry, there's this. I was like, oh, what's that moving down there? I went down there and got my ass absolutely handed to me by like a spectral samurai. Oh, oh yeah, that that's really that's cool. cool. I, yes. I really liked. I think it was possibly even the the first dungeon, and there were loads of rooms that were closed off. But then things were happening as you proceeded through it, and there were there were strange kind of things happening, like you'd hear a door unlock, or that at one point there was even a well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it was kind of there. It was playing with you. There were there were mischievous spirits or something in this in this uh, dungeon, and I really liked that because it felt like it had been tailored to an experience. It felt like it had been designed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think shortly after that, it drops off, and it's very much just oh yeah, just just go through the yeah, go through, go the, through the cave, get to the like end. the hunt in the game with the dead eye, the, yeah. one, the one hunt that feels different for the rest of the game because it was probably meant to be our main story quest, right? Yeah. At some point, so it's, it's well, even in um, episode disguise, episode disguise, yeah. it was a main, it story, was a main quest. story quest, yeah, and it, that was um, you had to do that to fix your, fix car. your car, right? Then they dropped that. There's like dialogue and shit that they dropped. It was uh, Crindy that gave you the quest. Crindy. <laughs> Her name's not Crindy, Joe. It's not Crindy, Joe. Um, no, but like um, that one hunt, like, that, like it feels like it's got a proper story. So it's like you yeah. need to kill the thing because it's it's affecting the wildlife in the local area and stuff like that. And then you build up and it's like, oh man, how do we, ta- how do we tackle this? And you go back to camp and you plan out a thing and then you properly fight it. Whereas the rest of the hunts are like, kill the guys. Yeah. Done. Like, go and collect your ball. Uh, and that's the rest of, of the game. <laughs> Um, balancing out the negativity, no. here are five things I really liked about Final Fantasy XV. Right? Or two of them send these chips. Uh, what, one per chip? Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, we'll see where it comes That's out. That's seven. <laughs> the left one's at five, and then the right one's at three. <laughs> <laughs> For reasons we won't go into. Well, breasts are asymmetrical, right? You want the one that's got the proper like curve, and then the other one's just a bit... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, right. Monster designs. There are yeah, some fantastic yeah, classical monsters are back. 
like the Iron Giant and the Behemoths, and even like the goblins and stuff. Do you know who brought those back? Tetsuya Nomura. Oh, well. Okay. He designed them. Um, Can I bring a counterpoint? Yeah. No. The Iron Giants are far overused. They are. They come out of the ground a lot. Yeah. But that is not a criticism but of character design. They look great. They look, they look cool. And they, look they are a lot of fun to fight based on their scale, I think. Yeah. Um, episode that, like, no, uh, the Disguise region is amazing. Which when you get cool, to the yeah. Chocobo Ranch, and I was so excited to be there. You you go to Lestalem or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the, um, it's all great. Um, I might include some Crindy's chows. I can't think of five things. Uh, the, the combat is good at first. It's no, that's the thing. I really enjoyed the combat, but the the difficulty there is that they don't have enough items. You don't. There's no. Various, it's good on a surface level. It doesn't there's develop there's as you play the game. There, yeah. Um, I, I think I've oversold myself with these five. So, ch- Crindy's chips. Crindy's chips. It uh, looks we'll, we'll just use three one. and five. It looks it looks two, good one. sometimes. The car. Um, I, I don't think that the the environment design is particularly good, but I think it, it overall like the it's rendered very well. The character right. models look amazing. That's it. The character banner. I'm definitely putting that in the top five. The character models. Like oh, I really enjoyed the, the characters. Too. Like I love. Noctis and Gladiolus and Prompto and uh, where did you Grumpy learn one. that one that knocked? <laughs> knocked another one. Knocked out another one out. I like the conversations. I don't like the characters. The characters don't really get. I, I don't like the main characters. No, I, I like. You don't like any of the guys. No? No. I really. I don't. Didn't I, understand. I much preferred the characters in Kingsleaf. Uh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I, I, Aaron Paul sold that movie. He was actually very good in it. Yeah, yeah. much but, better than the other guy. If, if Final Fantasy Fifteen was just Kingsleaf. That that would have been better for me, I think. Kingsglaive is excellent. It is a really good film. What was what, what was um, Aaron Paul's friend in it called again? Uh, I don't know, but you do the big guy a fairly good yeah. impersonation of him. Yes, that's right. Um, Can you remember it? You did it after the film, but it's been a while since you watched it's, it. Oh, fuck it. Well, it's a little bit like you know. <laughs> he's called it's like uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's called like grumpy. Doesn't. Understand what's happening, man. <laughs> you're the hero now, Aaron Paul. <laughs> Do you know if he hadn't been such a dick, none of the game would have happened. None of the film would have happened, and then none of the game would have happened either. Yeah. Um, the catalyst. Fuck. Fucking. Honestly. Like, game, fuck off. Uh, also, Crow is the best character. Oh, yeah. Crow's. She shouldn't have died that early. <laughs> okay, can I, I'm going to put number five is there are like a hundred diamond weapons. Is it diamond weapon? Ultima weapon. Diamond weapon? That's in Kingsley. It's not in the game. Oh, and and, and that's diamond weapon. Diamond weapon. They have him multiple times. Yeah. And he's not in the game. No. No. (laughs) Um, This is maybe a bit deep in spoiler territory. I'll maybe just add a tag to say, look, we're going to talk a lot about this. Oh, shit, yeah, because this is not seven. This is a recent game. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean... We can bring put a disclaimer. Uh, uh, spoilers: Noctis dies. Did you know that? Uh, Did you finish the game? No, I don't give a shit. Though. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Noctis dies, and he can look at a picture that Cindy's chips that are cut middle at the end of the game. Noctis That's dies. My thing. Good. Um, Fucking good. <laughs> he had no redeeming features. Uh, You're thinking of one. <laughs> a redeeming feature for Noctis. Yeah. He's got a sweet ring. And <laughs> Oh, wait. <laughs> a sweet finger ring. Yes, um, uh, you might want to add an explicit tag. On no. top of the explicit tag that we have, on top of the spoiler tag. Uh, he's got a nice girlfriend. Had a nice girlfriend. Is, is Cindy's 
So, no, not Sandy Luna, Luna sorry. Luna. Is Luna like a fucking is she? She's his betrothed. She's yeah. So like no, like I know she's Sandy his Ants. betrothed, but they don't act like it. Well, nobody in that game acts they're, like they're, they're nothing between them at all. They're like, oh, like let's well, send like, each other cute letters. They're, they're also, I suppose as well, they're royalty, so maybe it's just like kind of Sarah. You can't just go like, I'm going to get fucking fired then. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Umbra had to deliver like, like sex? sex? <laughs> and it's just there, like it's like don't read it, Umbra, and Umbra's like, I'm a dog, I can't read. <laughs> send senders. Just like with a sticker as well. It's like Luna Wild or like multiple fucking photos of some guy's knob coming in the post with this Douglas. <laughs> He's dog. That's a royal knob. Don't you dare. Then don't explain the dog. It's it just, can just time travel. It shows up and it's like, why? Yeah, but they don't explain that he can time travel. They just were like halfway through the game. They're like, oh yeah, you can use Umbra to time travel back to the it's sky. Like, fucking excuse me. Oh. Is it, the, the explanation is that he's literally a magic dog. I know. That's the explanation. But you see him and, and you're like, no way is that dog delivering that letter to Luna before we get there. Through he's a fucking dog. Blockade. The dog can time travel, but you can't use it to go back and stop the war. No. That's the thing. You can't go back and... Um, you can go to Altissia yeah. before the thing, but nobody bothers to mention to Luna that she's about to get killed. No. That would ruin the game. But obviously, if you go back in time, you can make earn money, so you can make changes to the world. I assume. I'm guessing that probably like it probably happens in some stupid bubble they didn't think through properly. They're like, oh yeah, we've oh, actually gotten enough of this game. So yeah, uh, is that good enough for first half? 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 Yeah. Half? Cool. Yeah, sure. Why not? Take let's let's take a wee break. Okay. Welcome back to the Zara Podcast. Oh. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed our impromptu, impromptu review of <laughs> Final Fantasy Fifteen. We played our fun gym to make ourselves feel better after. We did. Oh, you did anyway. Until oh, I watched Mega Android. You weren't allowed to. The Mega Androids. The cable's not long enough to reach Dave over there. It's, it's, there's something nice about playing Mega Drive games on a CRT monitor. Yeah. Certainly. They look like they're supposed to look. So. Yeah, there's an yeah. authenticity to it. Fucking controller is a piece of shit, though. And yeah. I don't think that's through any fault yeah. of your... Just the Mega Drive controller no. in general is not very good. It's so unresponsive. The, the A button was not working, and it is now working. It's as good as... I, I think that um, that's just going to be... That's Mega Drive controllers now. Yeah. yeah. They're going to decrease... I bet that's what will happen in, like, 20 years' time. You'll be able to get Mega Drives, but no controllers. And I'm sure someone can, like... Make them... Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the three button ones work, or the six button ones, so they work better. Right. So. so what have what have we been playing this week? I've I've not been playing anything because I've not had the time. I've been preoccupied with the player's Kai figure, which I've already gone over. Um, the cloud one. That's, I've also already gone over it. It's a very good figure. Um, probably the best representation of cloud that I have seen. I have also got the Advent Children player's Kai figure, um, which has more stuff and. I used to like the play- the Advent Children design better, but that was because I was a stupid teenager. Um, I still like the Advent Children design, but the the remake design for Cloud is obviously extremely good. Like it's this this it's similar enough to like obviously recognizing B Cloud, but it's got wee touches here and there that make them different and more appealing. Like um, a lot of people have um, had ish- taken issue or umbrage, whatever I want to think, um, with Cloud looking too like gaunt. And um, muscular, okay. Which, would I mean, he is muscular in the first game, 
or the original game, sorry, but it would make sense that he looks like emaciated somewhat because, I mean, he's spent the better part of the last, is it five years, um, in a test tube. So it would make sense that he's not looking 100%, he's looking a bit ill. Mm. But yeah, it's a great figure. Expensive, probably too expensive. Uh, but they knew they could charge it because it's a Final Fantasy VII remake figure, so people will pay for it, like me, a stupid mark. Um, but it's incredibly good looking. It's a great looking piece if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan. But yeah, that's uh, I'll let you um, wax lyrical about what you've been playing because I don't have anything to say. Sure. So. Uh, I was just going to comment. Um, I saw your photos comparing two figures. Um, yeah. and we can maybe post those in the... Yeah, yeah, the, sure the, um, the new figure does look really nice. As the, the price point will always be kind of a, a sticking point for me because I couldn't justify spending that much on a, a figure yeah. nowadays. But yeah. um, certainly, there's a lot of detail in it. So. It's 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 not. Like, I, I would probably consider it more a statue. Right. Think about like that price point, 144 pounds. That you're entering like three Eidos figures of the same size. Yeah, that. and they have more articulation, better accessories, stuff like that. Playoff Kai's are a different. Kind of beast. Yeah. Um, I wish they were more consistent because I would probably buy more of them because the designs they have. That's the thing. Burning Man looks great. Yeah, Burning Man. Is fantastic. But um, Venom Snake looks awful. It's like, really bad. Like, like the head sculpt's awful. The color as well. Like it just becomes one like amorphous blob yeah, of this one dark very, color. I don't understand yeah. why it looks like shit. It's a shame because like the uh, some of the more unique designs they like um, they've they've been allowed to like do what they call variant designs of. Uh, Marvel and DC licenses. Yeah. So there's the Tetsuya Nomura designs of the Batman franchise. Like he's done uh, Batman Catwoman and he now he's doing uh, the Joker as well. Yeah. Um, and they're all like really imaginative and cool designs and they, they look very striking. But the figure quality is so inconsistent that you're, you're terrified to spend 100 plus pounds on something that may or may not be good. I've, like we've struck at Lucky with Cloud because Cloud's incredible. Barrett is not as good, but still looks good. Yeah. But even then, you're thinking, I've just spent 150 quid on this. The Was face that... looks slightly off. Or for Barrett, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not. It's not. It's spot. Clouds is amazing. Yeah. Clouds is really good. Um, but Barrett's is not no. right on, which is a shame. How about you? I have been playing a few games. I'm still playing Breath of the Wild, uh, but there's not really much more to be said about that. Um, I am playing. Oh well, Crash Bandicoot. The first one. First one. Been playing a lot of that recently, um, which is kind of fitting as we were talking about Abe's Odyssey at the start of the podcast, mm-hmm. which is from the same era and has also had the, the HD awesome. treatment, which Crash Bandicoot is getting later this year. Yep, yep. Um, Back to the nineties when everything was better. <laughs> and like, it's the first time I've really sat down and played Crash Bandicoot in a long, long time. The yeah. first one. I played three earlier. This year or last year? Um, I played two late yeah. last year. So. Um, a few things stand out. It holds up very well. It's yep. an incredible platforming experience. And there's some things I'm going to say maybe about platforming. And put down a couple of games that might make, get me some heat. Not put them down. But it, the, Crash Bandicoot stands out for a reason. And I'll come back to that. But uh, first I'd like to tackle the fact that Crash Bandicoot isn't a 3D game. Okay. Yeah. And I would argue that uh, it is and it isn't. So... Um, you, you can run into the foreground, kind of, or the background. You know, you run away from the screen and you jump about on stuff, but it never really, nothing. The levels are linear. Yeah, but um, the difficulty arises with perspective because there's no camera. No. 
the camera's fixed behind you at all times. Uh, or if you start to go left and right, it'll be beside you. But the camera's always fixed. You can't move it up and down or side to side or look around, which makes some of the jumps infuriating. Okay. There's oh, yeah. far too many times where you're like, I don't know how far away that thing is. I'm going to have to jump, hope I make it, and then gauge based on where I landed, where I need to be. Yeah. And that is fairly unforgivable. I don't think it detracts from the entire game, though. And the other thing is, um, so, okay, they're, they're not really sure how to do 3D or whatever. Uh, other cra- like The older Crash Bandicoot games are the same, uh, yeah. aren't they? They have like the fixed camera and stuff. Yeah. No, no, but no. They've, they've sort of maybe built the levels in a way where that is less of an issue. In the first game, it's constantly an issue. Yeah. The second thing that they don't do so well is the saves. Saving in Crash Bandicoot is infuriating because you can only save when you 100% a level or finish a bonus level. Mm. Like, what? Yeah, it's um, it's not great. It was before, like, it was that weird period between the SNES and the Mega Drive and, like, a proper successor of a console where, like, saving wasn't really the done thing. It was still passwords. Um, and there are still passwords in Crash Bandicoot. There are, so. but you only get them at those elements, like the, yeah. at those times. So that makes it very difficult. But what did I say I was going to come back to? Oh, right, yeah. But here's the thing. Crash Bandicoot feels like a platformer. Like, it is a platformer. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about things like, I never really got into Super Mario 64 or anything like yeah. that, where you're just running around jumping on platforms. But the platforming never really felt like the challenge. The challenge was always collect all these things, yeah. beat these things, work out where things are in this level. It's a 3D adventure. Yeah. But in Crash Bandicoot, the platforming itself is the challenge. Yeah. The timing. Definitely. Landing the jumps in the right places. All of that stuff feels more challenging and more the core of the game than the collecting the fruit or anything. Or... You want to collect the boxes to 100% of yeah. the level, but that's not the the, the core of the challenge. That's that like an through, extra challenge. That runs through all three of the games, all yeah. three of the original games as well, especially two, um, like when you have to, like some of the like the gems where you have to get all the boxes, those are like mentally yeah. hard because of some of the jumps. But it's like some of the tightest platforming. Oh yeah. Like uh, the perspective thing is the major issue, but the side-scrolling levels work so much better. Yeah. So you've got things like, so you've got your, like your, uh, your N, your, your first level and sunny beach yeah uh, and then you got like holy rollers and jungle rollers and um stuff like that and up the creek and all that uh, the other creek ones actually work better um, yeah the major issue was ancient temple is one of the worst ones for it because the camera is like too low down and it switches from the side scrolling to the going backwards yeah and that one i died like so many times just because i couldn't see where the next where the jump should land. Um, the thing about Crash Bandicoot is it's got no room to correct your jumps either. In no, it, it demands precision yeah. at all times. So you're just, you're fucked until you work it out. I'm really enjoying it. It's I'm a great game. It so much. Um, they're, they're so well made. Oh, the, the, the original Naughty Dog games. They're yeah. impeccable. There's that whole thing, like um, how the visuals in the original game were made. Like they, they, they basically made the PlayStation work better than Sony have ever managed to make a PlayStation 1 work uh-huh. um, by virtue of um, like how they render the levels like um, the, the render the, the levels are rendered on the purpose of like only anything that's actually on screen at any given time is rendered sure. um, so they, they like um, 
they use a lot of tactical rendering, like um, they will cover up stuff. As like like they were like something other in the foreground, scenery, yeah. yeah. So um, so that they have to they don't have to render as much on screen because that other thing's being covered by something else. So why would you render whatever behind that? And like you can get that to work with like widescreen hacks at the game as well. Like on emulators, where like if you hack it to widescreen, it only shows what's in that four by three box. Um, it's an incredibly well made game. Like and like I said, Sony never managed to get anything quite on that level. Um, I never really have to be honest. Eh? So and I, I guess even with modern games like The Last of Us um, and Uncharted, Naughty Dog are still pushing the, the limits of hardware. Oh yeah, Uncharted Four looks incredible. There, you'll get people who are a lot of people who play PC games who are like. Oh well, you can do this on the PC. It's like, yeah, sure, but there's—I don't even think there's stuff. I think it looks better than stuff that's on the PC. Just in the art direction, they use it so well that maybe it's not as as technically impressive. But there was times where I think it looks near photo real. Yeah. Or even if it isn't photo real, it makes you think that it is. And that's that's the main thing that I find is more impressive, like using the facilities available to you within a console's hardware mm-hmm. that will allow you to trick the player. Yeah. Or not trick, but like or not even give, the illusion, give the illusion of something that's not really actually being portrayed on screen. Yeah. Um there are there are, it happens sometimes, not all the times, where there are games where you just stop and like marvel at it. Like not just stopping and looking around and going, Oh this is a nice looking game but like actually just stop and go Holy shit, I can't believe this looks like this. Uh, embarrassingly, one of them for me was Star Wars Knights of the Republic. I remember being in, in uh, not Coruscant and being like, holy shit, there's like cars flying around and stuff. But there's times where I just stopped in Uncharted 4 to look out at everything and I'd be like, I can't believe this game looks the way. That was Final Fantasy 13 as well. That's a great looking game as well. Despite yeah. me not liking that game very much, it's incredible. It looking really nice. Uh, but yeah, Crash 1 is a, it's a technical model of the game as well as being very good. Yeah. So. Um, I'm holding off for the the remakes. I I, I was a big fan of like the, the second and third in the yeah. series, but the the first one is where it began. But I think yeah, I I would be hard pressed to decide which the second and third is my favorite. See that that's a that I I used to think I preferred three, but having played two more recently, two is a better pure platforming games there are too many gimmicks in 3 3 is like yeah you get like one or two platforming levels per hub yeah and then you've got stuff like planes and jet skis and tigers and bikes it's almost an archetype for the the mobile level restrictions for mobile games because you know you you have to get so many crystals before you can unlock the second level but then you can still go back and unlock extra things in that that area Spyro the Dragon did that as well Right. You needed to collect certain amounts of things before you could like move on to the next. Right? Yeah, you collect gems, eggs, keys, I want to say. Yeah, keys as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, Spyro's more akin to Banjo-Kazooie. Yeah. But even then, it's still different. I, um, I, I never really played Banjo or Mario 64 back, back when they came out. Um, so, the the definition of a platformer to me is, like, a 3D platformer is... Crash. Yeah. Um, it's just like they're drawing peckily made games. I never really played any of the later ones, although I've heard they weren't anywhere near as good. I was watching um, a playthrough of Wrath of Cortex. That's the one with the gimmick was in your yeah. hamster ball. And it doesn't even look like. It's not that it looks like a bad Crash game. It doesn't look like a It crash looks game. like a bad game. Yeah. Like, it's poorly optimised, it runs like shit. 
it doesn't look like it plays very well at all. Was that was that one made by Traveller's Tales? I can't remember. No, I think it was the first multi-platform one. I know that, but maybe it was Traveller's Tales. Um, I can't remember. But uh, the 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 HD remakes have been made by Vicarious Visions. Yeah. Who have worked on um, portable titles for Crash, the Game Boy Advance games in oh, particular. Nice. Um, it looks looks good. Um, it's there's some issues I take umbrage with, but like overall, it looks like a, a the lighting light, is the one that I don't like. Yeah, the lighting is not fantastic. Uh, some of the animations, like some a lot of them, are really really nice, mm-hmm. and like you can tell some talented people working on this game, and they really enjoy giving Crash personality, yeah. and all the all the enemies and all that kind of thing as well. But some of them just look too janky, and I don't know why there's that inconsistency. Um, it looks like there's been a lot of care and consideration; like they're not changing sake for the cha- sake of changing it. They're making a faithful yeah, and they're actively crash games. taking feedback as well and making changes now. Yeah, based on what people have said about the trailer yeah. and gameplay footage, um, like the sound of the Wumpa fruits being collected. Yeah, they changed which that. I hated that noise. It's like a crunching noise. Yeah, it sounded like. And so I'm really glad they've done something to fix that it is a, a pretty faithful HDD make and, and in the grand scheme of things considering recent ones like a new and tasty changed a bit too much for my liking uh, like how the game controlled and all that kind of thing um, it fucks up some of the puzzles um, whereas Crash HD is Vicarious Vision specifically call it uh, a triple A remaster mm-hmm. which is not the same as a remake so it's no. an interesting way to word it uh, but that, that's me pretty much that Breath of the Wild I started Silent Hill again but I haven't really gone back to that um, I don't think anything else Overwatch yeah uh, and I bought the Silver Case oh yeah was, really uh, a Super 51 game that he made back in the day and never got translated into English that's just come out so I'll report back on that did you say that was a spin-off of um, Twilight no, Syndrome I was wrong I said it was I said it was a spin-off of Twilight Syndrome but it's not. Moonlight Syndrome was a spin-off of Twilight Syndrome, and that was the game he made before he made the Silver Case, and he made Moonlight Syndrome with Human Entertainment. He left Human Entertainment, and he made his own game, which was the Silver Case. And has Moonlight Syndrome also not been translated to English? I guess none of the Syndrome games have. Okay. I think the closest you can get to playing a Syndrome game is there's a level of Danganronpa based off of one. I see. And it's it's the the case in that game is called like something Syndrome or something, uh, and it it is a a reference to or about Twilight Syndrome, but we'll never get those games yeah they're too they look too Japanese from what I've seen though, yeah so. also I think there's like a weird like human entertainment don't exist anymore the company that bought human entertainment when it went under doesn't exist anymore the company that bought that company so doesn't exist really anymore have, like, the yeah it's like where are the li- like who owns the license for these games yeah probably lost and nobody cares to find out so whatever oh well just uh but no that's me you got plenty to keep you going then yeah video games from here until I die yeah. it'll be cool to see how uh, the silver case plays yeah I'm excited because um, I mean I suppose if it does well that could lead to other older titles getting published that's my hope I hope that the silver case would do well and they would bring out the Twilight Syndrome games but it just depends on whether or not it's probably going to be stuff that because it was his own studio the silver case I think yeah so it'll probably be just stuff he did himself and not stuff that belongs to other I think Konami maybe owns it oh god no it'd be Capcom because <laughs> Capcom Clock Tower was Human Entertainment, wasn't it? And then the later Clock Towers were Capcom. Yeah, that's right. Capcom probably owns 
Capcom own some strange sort of survival horror franchises that aren't Resident Evil. Like they've got Rule of Rose and all that kind of thing as well, don't they? So they just pick things up, don't they? Yeah, just, yeah fucking well. Uh, what about you? Uh, so, in terms of games, I've only really played one new one in the past couple of weeks, which is Jalopy. 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 It's a game on Steam that's on early access just now, so it's, it's still being developed. And you essentially are in Eastern Germany, or the Eastern Bloc of Europe at least, and you piece together a car from scrap, from bits and pieces, yeah. and you're then expected to maintain it uh, as you travel across like different areas. It's a really tough game. Right? I, my car broke down, and after I repaired it once, my, my toolkit was kind of used up. Yeah. So when it broke down the second time, I was unable to repair it. And I'm not really sure what to do. It's night time. I have no money. So I can't stay in a hotel. Uh, the, there are border gates. Yeah. Uh, or and you can't go through them. I can't go through them. I don't know if that's just because it's night time or yeah. because... You haven't got a car. Yeah, or even because it's an early access and there are still some areas that have been worked on. It sounds but... similar to Papers, Please. In the sort of... Not like, not in the gameplay or anything, but in the sort of theming. In the spirit of it, yeah. yeah it's It's a little bit kind of... I suppose there's there's a lot of like reference to to poverty and like government control. Yeah. Um, control. It's interesting. I mean, I was I found out about it through a YouTube channel, uh, Noah Caldwell Gervais. Yeah. Who is a game reviewer, a, a game journalist, and he recently decided to go travelling across America in a Volkswagen camper van. Yeah. And he's doing the same thing. Like he's he learned how to piece this uh, van together and how to repair it and look after it himself. Um, and he was comparing his own life to that of the game Jalopy. Yeah. And it was, it's quite nice because he, he talks about like all the different areas he's seen. And you, you see that in, in Jalopy as well when you're travelling through these uh, roadways. You know, you travel down the coast, you travel through little towns. And it's, it's all kind of, I suppose, low-poly yeah. um, design. But it's got a... a quite a nice feeling to it and I thought it was quite interesting that he's kind of doing something similar himself just now but I'll, I'll post a link in the, the show notes but it's, it's quite an interesting video to watch and the game's maybe worth picking up I got it uh, in a sale for five bucks that's cool so it's, it's I think it's still quite cheap just now it sounds like an interesting like the kind of thing yeah I kind of want to play it mm. I like that sort of thing I really enjoyed Papers Please so I think I'll give this one all the, the name reminds me of Gelepnos an intentional mispronunciation of jalapenos. That's how you order, <laughs> order chilies on Spicy your pizza in Glasgow. the best a man can get, of course. So. Um, yeah, and other than that, uh, I was at the Aberté Digital Graduate Showcase yesterday yeah. um, in Dundee. So that was pretty cool to see what all the, the children have been building. Are, are the children? The children. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. If I was to compare it to my own degree show... Uh, and the, the kind of work that students were, were putting out when I was studying animation at Paisley, I, I'm just amazed at the how, how skills have developed over that time. And probably in no small part as a, a result of the tools that are now available, especially the ones that are available for free. But th- there's clearly been a progression there, and I don't think it's all just down to, oh, the software is better now. The research that people have put into their projects was, was amazing. Uh, some of the technology as well was, was pretty cool. There was uh, one guy had a Kinect set up to a bar overlooking a sandbox. Yeah. And it was, uh, <clears throat> it recognised the depth of the sand. So people could use it to 
generate terrain. I don't like uh, sand. Of <laughs> course. Kids, kids like sand. But it was, it was cool. I think I've seen a gif of that. Maybe. Maybe. Um, I mean, it's, it's possibly been been done before as well. Right. I mean, the, the Kinect's... The Kinect's actually pretty powerful. It, yes, it's case. been used in a lot of experiments. Yeah. Well, there's, this, they this used gentleman... it to, at one point to um, measure somebody's pulse. Yeah, really? Yeah. How did it do that? You could see... Just like it could actually see the movement on... No, it would see, like, um, some... I don't know, your face flushes in certain ways. Uh-huh. Or, so it's, it's mental what the Kinect can do. But yeah, in in this case anyway, members of the public could mess around with the sandpit, and, and then it would generate a map, and then it was also projecting onto the sand. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen a gif of this, and like you could, it had like blue for the water, and yeah, you could make a reservoir, and it would like yeah, redo yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the chap who had built it um, put a, a car into the into the pit so it was projecting the car onto this where he was controlling it on the computer and then on the computer you were looking at the car in a third person oh. camera uh, like third third person view going across this terrain so it's, oh, that's it's cool. cool there's a, there a guy another guy who was using I think it was an Oculus with a camera mounted to it for augmented reality reading QR codes or something similar oh, yeah. to QR codes uh, to, to generate 3D models on the mm. on the screen and through the, the headset so it was it's nice to see what people are working on sometimes, even yeah. even if it's just early um, prototyping. To enter the rift. I've been playing Dark Souls as well. Oh, is it happy now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I thought, did you not say last uh, podcast that you were... Like, I've, got, I've, st- I've, st- I've still got Souls. two bosses to kill and then I'm oh, done right. it forever. Yeah. Um, forever. 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 Never touch me. No. I'll, I'll probably go back and play the, the original Dark Souls for the first time. Cause you should. And then Bloodborne as well, which I've still not gone all the way through. Bloodborne is also incredible. Yeah, um, yeah Dark, Dark Souls is my opus. It's... The, uh, I have a correction to make on the last podcast. Okay. If I could issue a correction, I apologise to Dave. <laughs> we, we talked about video game music. Um, oh, yeah. We talked about rock stars yeah. who um, f- were going to compose for games and it never... Have, have I, I made mention of the fact that um, Trent Reznor was going to work with id uh, and then you said that he had and I said I didn't think that he had um, turns out he did Quake so yeah Trent Reznor composed for Quake and did sound design or whatever that's the, that's the correction I have to make just for uh, interest of journalistic integrity so for future <laughs> reference Dave is always right no <laughs> Yeah, Dave's always wrong. Just sometimes he's wrong a in a way that is twice, correct. <laughs> twice, a broken clock, like twice, twice a day. Twice a that's day. the one. That's the um, one. Should we finish up there? Yeah, I've yeah. got a quote. Do you really? It's my turn. What is it? Look at you sailing through the air majestically, like an eagle piloting a blimp. I know what that is. <laughs> that's clearly from uh, the Ghost in the Shell video game from PlayStation One. It's um, it's no. major major Kazanagi. Yes. Yeah. No, but I do. I know what that is from as well. Cool. Uh, so if, if you know at home, let us know. I always pick easy ones. I think it is. Uh, it is not from Ghost in the Shell. It's no, not from Ghost just in the Shell. before anyone answers that. So, if you'd like to get in touch with that, if you have any corrections or feedback, or you would just like to tell us what you've been playing, you can get in touch with us. You can email us at podcast at You can use the contact form on our website onazarin.com, or you can drop us a message on Facebook at the Zarin Podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can also uh, reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Ozarin Tweets. 
but please get in touch and we will make you famous just yeah. like Sean Clements and buy us video games buy yeah games. I'm starting to play Neo so if you can buy me Neo I'll not be great cool it's Christmas soon so <laughs> it's six months it's always Christmas soon oh. right we'll catch you again soon for another podcast bye bye, bye. bye.